Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heidi, hi there. Welcome to the Tim Burns Show. I'm your host, Tim Burns, the common man with common sense and an uncommon desire to know the truth. Uh, I left a little bit of sound we didn't quite get to yesterday and just make a quick point about it, but let's start once again off. This is David Brooks, a, quote, conservative writer for the New York Times, and I just thought his summary of the political landscape is so truthful from an inside-the-beltway Washington GOP point of view. I'm going to get to a bunch of stuff that's uh, sort of we'll have to uh, bounce around because it's just stuff I've printed off and I want to get to it. So I didn't congest it all in nice form to have each story under the heading. So if I come across something that I just talked about after going to another subject, you'll know why. And I'm, well, I'm creating the excuses up front here, aren't I? All right, let's go to the David Brooks sound. And again, this will let you know what they think of, well, to be honest, the Republican base or that base of people out there, two out of every three people who say they're conservative or somewhat conservative when polled. And yet we are all extremists in this regard if we don't toe the line of sitting on our hands like John Boehner and Mitch McConnell, if, or as one of these headlines, I might as well get to this headline, uh, surrender then play fight is the Republican leadership's shameful approach to governing. I put it as sitting on their hands, waiting for the next, next election to come, and hoping that they can get their power handed to them without even having to stand up on any principles, which obviously we haven't heard any coming from them since Boehner took power in 2010, since McConnell took power. What was we the people's message to give them their power? Well, we certainly haven't heard them talking about that message. In fact, this is the main message we get to hear now. Morning of National Journal, David Brooks. This fight inside the party um, the frustration, and somehow, for some viewers, they may say it's deja vu all over again. But this time, it does seem like it, as if the frustration <coughs> may boil over. It's kind of amazing. The Christie answer, his first answer to you was not an attack on the Democrats, was not an attack on Hillary Clinton, it was an attack on the Republicans. It's like a mutiny, not a campaign. And the problem is that there's an illusion in this country and in the Republican base that you can govern by screaming. That Donald, Blow, Donald Trump, Donald Blowhart. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> Today, <laughs> you just melted the internet. Yeah. Donald Trump can just scream and somehow govern the country. But mm -hmm. there's a democracy. You need a coalition. We have a very tough legislative system. 
And you got to have to actually have craftsmen. And there's insufficient respect for that right now among the Carson and Trump supporters. Sarah Fagan, is it, was it, first of all, he gets something wrong. We are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. The word democracy appears nowhere in our constitution. Do a search on it. You won't find the word democracy. We are a constitutional republic based on democratic principles. The idea that all of us are screamers, that all of us don't understand the deep complications. Well, the only reason that Washington is so complicated, that it's so filled with quicksand, is because there's too much control in Washington. There's too much responsibility that is outside of the domain of what the Constitution calls for the federal government to be. Those responsibilities that fit into the context of established justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, and promote the general welfare. There is all kinds of stuff over time that they've assumed, and now we take for granted that this is the way government in America is supposed to work. It's not. 90% of the onion peels of the pieces have to come off. Again, do we get a wake-up call, a slap upside the head that wakes us up, knocks us over, or knocks us out? I have no idea, but we need a wake-up call. America is being woken up right now. And are they listening back there? No. They're attempting to belittle all of us by calling us names, by giving us this stereotype that we're, well, that we're all radical. Apparently, the entire base, the entire country is radical except for, uh, well, just the 21% who support the Iran deal. And we're going to talk, I'm going to give a quick summary of what I talked about on 9-11 because, again, what goes around comes around. What started with Iran now is dangerously, right there, present day, is continuing with Iran So let's do one last one, because this one goes to the fact that everything is always George Bush's fault. And all of the problems that are in the Middle East right now have one theme. It's all because we went in there in the first place, went into Iraq in the first place, which caused all of the chaos that's going on right now. And that is completely away from the facts. That has nothing to do with the facts. It has nothing to do with the struggle that did take place. The year's worth of struggle. Again, we declared in this country our independence in 1776. It took us 11 years of fighting, of conversing amongst ourselves, of working this out until we finally got a document called the Constitution of the United States that we could agree on. And it wasn't a unanimous agreement from state to state to state in the original 13 colonies. So fighting for freedom is a struggle, but it's always a fight. If you're not willing to fight, you're not willing to be free. So this is a, 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 uh, um, a Richard Engel report. This is, has to do with the crisis, the refugee crisis that's going on, and it's just pouring in. There are some good things, but at the end, of course, it's all about this whole problem. All of these refugees being pushed out is ISIS's fault because we went in. 
to Iraq, and that completely disregards the actual fact that ISIS didn't even lift a finger until we entirely pulled out of Iraq. They were waiting in the crevices, in the cracks. They were waiting, bidding their time. And this is what they do the best. And I wouldn't call it the best, but this is what is their game plan always, is to show patience. The USS Cole bombing in 2000, October of 2000, Obama, uh, Osama bin Laden had planned that for five years. Look at the patience. 9-11 attackers got into this country, traveled back and forth from in and out of this country, assimilated as us, practiced, and then carried out their plan. They know how to be patient. Searching for a smuggler to take them from Hungary to Germany, this group fled from Baghdad. The U.S. turned us over to Iran, Mazen said. Another group also searching. The U.S., this is their point of view in Iraq. The U.S. turned us over to Iran. Now, what event possibly could this gentleman, what critical point could this gentleman be talking about? He's talking about the abandonment of Iraq by the U.S., of leaving nobody behind in order to create that, that I've got your back confidence that any new coming primitive constitutional republic would need. You have to have the insurance of domestic tranquility and the providing for the common defense. You can't even get to promoting the general welfare, promoting peace within the walls until you establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and provide for the common defense. It is the formula for peace. Our 52 words that we call the preamble of the United States, in the, of the Constitution of the United States, those 52 words can work anywhere in the world. But it takes a dedication to that formula. You can't just wish and hope your way. Obama leaves Iraq hoping that the peace that he and his administration even talked about, that it was peaceful. Why do you think he was able to walk away? Because they were promoting in the deadhead media, promoting and touting the line that Obama was putting out, that things are relatively peaceful, looks like it's time to walk away. Was this chaos that we see at the borders of Europe, was that going on then? No. Why? Because there was no ISIS coming into Iraq. The U.S. military had the back of the Iraqi militaries who had the back of the government of Iraq. And they had this very primitive, we the people institution. I mean, this was, <laughs> this was such a nightmare to walk away from. Planting this seed of freedom into soil 13 centuries old. What an opportunity, not just for America to show how this formula for peace works, not just for Iraq, but for the entire Middle East. Because I guarantee if we had still been here, there right now, if we were on that, that military base in Iraq right now, and the peace, ISIS not coming across the border. Why? Because they would fear being slammed. They don't have any fear.
They came across the border. They've done their duty. They knew that if they put enough pressure on their, their bad boys, they knew they could probably intimidate the entire landscape, starting with the Iraqi military, and they did. So we abandoned this seed of freedom. We stopped watering this seed of freedom. And how does that water happen? By providing that protection, by having somebody's back. It's all for naught now. What a waste. Well, you can say now that we are wasting our money, that we had wasted our money. But that would be, that would be so, well, that would be really a slap in the face of all the work that was done by all the individuals in the military, all of the people supporting the military, the U.S. military that was over there, all of the good work that was done, the, the final discovery of using our formula that's in our preamble and having that work over there. David Petraeus carried out that formula. He created a landscape of peace within the worst city in the world, Fallujah, Iraq. And it's all gone now. And yet, none of that in this report right here it's like they skipped from the moment we got in there in March of 2003 to right now and forgot anything else in between that happened. They can't possibly look at the incremental progress that was taking place, whether it was two steps forward, one step back. They can't do that. Why? Because it's all about blaming Bush. It always has been. From the moment that Bush stole the election from Gore, that is the, whether it's the economy or whether it's the war, it was always about filtering things down to blaming Bush. They blame Bush for an economy, uh, the Great Recession, when in fact the numbers, the numbers, they undo all of that propaganda. And this report is a nice little summary by Richard Engel. This report attempts to completely, we go from 2003 to 2015 in one fell swoop. Nine years, 2000, 12 years simply disappears from the history books, you might say. For a smuggler, but which ended up getting busted by Hungarian police, is escaping the Taliban in Afghanistan all running from wars and crises that the U.S. waded into over the past decade. President Bush went big in Iraq. He shocked, awed, and occupied, unleashing a civil and religious war. Which Unleashing a civil and religious war. That civil and religious war was them getting their act together. What is Richard Engel talking about? Oh, he's talking that a civil and religious war is terrorists who want to control Iraq while the people of Iraq show up at the polls 17 million purple thumbs later, one-third of the women serving in this brand-new government who were elected? See, this is really easy to do when you're in the dead. When, when you have a we the people who's so busy trying to survive, so busy having too much month at the end of the money, and an education system that doesn't teach us that it's really good to be well-informed. 
Instead, we're off on our merry way, watching the next wave of whatever entertainment is out there, having no sense of history whatsoever. We don't have a school systems that teach any sense of that history. Washington and the Middle East weren't prepared for. War-weary, President Obama went small, critics would say too small, supporting rebels in Libya, but ignoring Syria, even while accusing President Assad of gassing more than a thousand to death, including children. The administration drew red lines, but they were crossed time and again. The U.S. isn't responsible. Now, I really appreciate Richard Engel actually having a nice summary of why Obama is an utter failure in this regard. He didn't mention that the Libya situation was actually Obama's way of letting Hillary get her shot at commander-in-chief for a day. She utterly failed. Responsible for the Sunni-Shia bloodletting, the madness of ISIS, or the merciless bombings of the Assad regime, all of which are driving these people to find new lives in Europe. But by unraveling the old system, the U.S. helped unleash those forces. This exodus is the direct... The unraveling of the system had nothing to do with us going in there, had nothing to do with the struggle to get this we the people, very primitive as it might be, we the people institution in Iraq working. No, this unraveling came because Obama abandoned it. And he opened the door wide open for ISIS, who've been waiting since 2001 on the other side of the border. After, uh, excuse me, since 2003, Ansar al-Islam started in 2001. In 2003, we went up there and destroyed that Disneyland of terrorism. Our troops did in northern Iraq, right underneath Saddam's nose. And then they ended up in eastern Syria. They waited ever since probably actually knowing who Obama was, and it was only a matter of time before he accommodated them and let the doors come wide open for them to come in there. All right, we'll be right back on the Tim Burns Show here on 810KLVZ. Tim Burns for Nominal Exhibit Services. You know, big business is done at these conventions, and if you are the responsible party, your company, for making those exhibits work right on the convention floor, and it seems that it's nothing but hassles and headaches and nightmares, that the logistics just aren't working, I encourage you to make a phone call to Nominal Exhibit Services. They're the one place that starts and ends the process. They take you from point A to point B, and they will free up the most important thing you need, time to do business at these conventions. Conventions. So call them, 303-901-9090. Hey, John, what's up? Hey, Dave. I'm going to get Sue something from this really cool jewelry website. What's the special occasion? There isn't one, but I was talking to Hank, and he said he went to JT Jewelry and got Jill something. And funny story, he was watching a movie and heard the line, the key to a woman's heart is an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. He goes to JT Jewelry and not only got our pair of earrings, he got our pendant too. 
He gives her the earrings, and she loved them. A few minutes later, he gives her the pendant and tells her, let's go to the jewelry store and get fitted into a necklace that's just the way you want it. He got her two pieces of jewelry? <laughs> yeah, he said the prices were so good he couldn't resist, but the story gets better. They went to a company outing, and the boss's wife saw the pendant and just loved it. Jill was a hit of the party. That must have made him feel good. Good? Hank said the night might have been even better than his wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> What's that website again? JT-Jewelry.com All right, welcome back here. Uh, you know, I want to do a quick highlight reel of what we did on 9-11, and because it's really important. Again, what goes around comes around. And if we don't learn, as they say, if you don't learn from the past, you're doomed to repeat it in the future. And now Iran is in, we live in a much more sophisticated world than we did in 1979. They took hostages back then. 21% in a Pew report, 21% support the Iran deal, the present deal. Now that fits right along lines, traditional over decade upon decade, 40% of people are conservative, 20% of people are liberal, and a lot of in between. But this 21% regarding this Iranian deal is, these are people who bleed blue. You know anybody like that? They cut their hand and they're bleeding blue, not red. That's how liberal they are. They are so narrow-mindedly focused on supporting whatever they need to support. It doesn't really matter. I'll give you an example. We know somebody. A family knows somebody. Die-hard liberal. <laughs> Still, to this day, Obama is doing just great. And one little fact was brought up. He said that all of what the war in Iraq cost, the $1.2 trillion that China has in debt, U.S. treasuries, they've come up to the table, they've bought U.S. treasuries, no understanding that everybody buys U.S. debt. Why? Because it's the safest investment. You want to take your cash and you want to make sure it doesn't lose any value, you buy U.S. treasuries. Bills, bonds, whatever the case may be, you put it in the safest investment there is. It's kind of like from a citizen, American citizen point of view and a banking point of view, what's the safest investment? If you don't want to take any risk whatsoever, you buy a CD. That's the same principle here. But his idea, his adamant fact was that the purchase of $1.2 trillion was what was funding the Iraq war. And it all happened under George Bush's watch. That entire purchase of $1.2 trillion happened under George Bush's watch. Now, this is really easy. To, I mean, I'm one of these people with all the, on the TimBurnShow.com website, with all of those handy references, it didn't take, I don't have specifically a link for that, but it didn't take anything for me to say, Okay, I know that's not true. So let's find out what the actual facts and figures are. It took all of the amount of time it took to type in Chinese debt, U.S. Treasury holdings, 
historical. Now, they don't go back very far. Why? Why is only the purchase of U.S. debt by U.S. treasuries by China happen? Because that's when China started to explode as far as their growth. China's economic uh, uh, prowess wasn't going on during the 80s. It wasn't going on during the 90s. It started in the 2000s. And so what? They're making money hands over fist, and they want to preserve the value of that money. What do they do? They buy U.S. treasuries. How much did they buy under George Bush? Well, it was easy to figure out. All you have to do is they had a year by year going back to 2001. You know who else supported apparently our war? $300 billion by the Swedes. 300, the Belgium are big purchasers of U.S. treasuries. Why? Because it's safe money. It's a safe investment. What was the total under George W. Bush? Or more specifically, something that a diehard, I bleed blue liberal would actually have to scratch his head. $400 billion has been purchased by the Chinese in their total debt holdings under Obama. I mean, the facts are clear as day. When confronted with this, hmm, I must have had my statistics wrong. I must have been uh, uh, a little off on my, uh, I must have not gotten the right info. I must have, I blah, 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 blah. Here's another excuse. How about looking in the mirror and just saying, wow, I was wrong. They can't do that. Liberals can't do that. They are never wrong. And especially this 21% who is supporting the Iraq, the Iran deal. They don't care. They have been voting this way forever. If this is the representative of the liberal philosophy that I believe in, then it doesn't matter what this guy does. So anything that Obama does, it doesn't matter to them. So again, let's do a quick highlight reel. In 1979... Hostages were taken. Is that an act of war? No. But in 1983, 273 Marines were killed in Lebanon. By who? Hmm. One of those terrorist organizations sponsored by who? Yes. Iran. Is bombing military personnel an act of war? Certainly seems like it. I mean, it's not rocket science here. But that is the biggest problem we had through all of these two decades leading up to 9-11, going back to 1979. The player hasn't changed. It's the same player. And now we're giving them the wherewithal, the money, $100 billion. They're a $400 billion economy. 25% injection And we all know where that money's going to go. As Colin Powell said, they've been on a superhighway. Well, we just provided the gas to help them continue on that superhighway. And the idea that their people would benefit from this is just absurd. So now we get into the 90s. And the attitude was it's all about criminal investigations. They're all crimes. Even though... Just looking at the event that took place in 1983, that's an act of war. 
So we've got the WTC bombing in 1993. That's a wake-up call. That is a strike on our homeland. A big strike. It didn't work out like the terrorists want. They thought those buildings, they had enough explosives to topple those buildings and have them not fall like pancake, but actually, well, like, actually, like most demolitions are set up. And we're going to get to that. I wanted to get to a couple of items, the main items regarding these conspiracy theories. Because even then, I talked with somebody yesterday who said, you know, there were flashes on the big towers as it was pancaking down. Now, I've looked at dozens and dozens of every kind of angle you can think of. I can see puffs, but I've, I haven't seen any flashes. We'll get to some of the, and that's why it's so important. If you look at videos of the towers and World Trade Center 7 coming down, and then you go to the demolition compilation of different demolition, and just do a comparison. You don't even have to say a thing. Uh, don't even have to think about it very hard. The comparisons, there are no comparisons. They're totally different. And that's why it's so easy to take any little piece of puzzle and to build whatever case you want around that piece of puzzle. So 1993, we've got the World Trade Center bombing. And we've got all during the 90s, all sorts of terrorist attack going on. And what's our attitude here in the United States? I don't know. Almost see no evil, hear no evil. We certainly didn't have the attitude that these were acts of war. All right, we'll be right back on the Tim Burns Show. You have a spot on your shirt, you probably wash it out. You have a spot on your sofa, you probably wash it out. You have a spot on your lung, you probably die. 85% of those diagnosed with lung cancer don't live. But the sooner you quit smoking, the sooner you start reducing your risk. Brought to you by the American Legacy Foundation and the National Association of Broadcasters. To learn more, visit AmericanLegacy.org slash code blue. How was your day? What did you do in school? I'm Carrie Dahlman, president of the Colorado Education Association. And these two simple questions can encourage learning in your home. Showing interest and asking about the school day can help motivate your children and keep them excited about learning. So stay involved, stay curious, and ask specific questions. Student success involves the whole family. Sponsored by the Colorado Education Association and aired in cooperation with the Colorado Broadcasters Association. Tim Burns for DoggyDogWorldRescue.com. Are you looking for an adoptable pet that's been rescued from abandonment or abuse? You know, there's a lot of different dogs out there. You can get a dog that goes from abandonment and abuse to a cage and then to you. That will never happen at DoggyDogWorldRescue.com. Why? Because they have a great rehabilitation system that helps the animal find who itself is. So I encourage you, anywhere on the front range, if you're looking for a dog, go to DoggyDogWorldRescue.com.
All right, welcome back here, and let's just go through the quick highlight reel, years included, and to give you an indication that their pursuit of, for lack of a better phrase, death to America hasn't stopped. It's just what we recognize as an adversary. And all during the 90s, we recognized nothing. 1990, uh, so we've got in... February of 1993, we have the world, the first bombing. And again, remember the sound I played? The mastermind behind that flying over a helicopter, in a helicopter, over the site. When he was charged, the FBI agency, you didn't get him. And the mastermind said, not yet, Yusuf. Said, not yet. October of 93, Black Hawk Down. We know the movie. Clinton basically withdraws. This is when the attitude of, wow, put enough pressure on the U.S. and they will run. Kill enough Americans and the U.S. will be the paper tiger. That's when bin Laden really got his foothold. In the mid-90s, that expansion was rapidly taking place one event black hawk down provided the propaganda for bin laden to build this network across the world november of 95 five americans were killed in saudi arabia five servicemen june of 96 19 airmen die in the kobar bombing at that point there's a plot to assassinate bill clinton Bin Laden gets expelled to Afghanistan. Now he's in a part of the world where it's really tough to get to. Brett Baer did an interview with the general who said, it's like Grand Canyon after Grand Canyon. That's the kind of landscape that exists out there, the kind of terrain that exists between Afghanistan and Pakistan. Now we haven't recognized that there is a Well, a dedicated act of war happening. Anytime a serviceman is killed, that's an act of war. Oh, you can cover it up any way you want. So in August of 96, bin Laden does an actual interview with the London News, and he issues a fatwa, a declaration of war. There it is. How do we react to it? We don't. In 1998... Another fatwa is issued. I guess they didn't believe us. Now, Bill Clinton did make one attempt. It had to do with that aspirin factory, and it was during the Monica fiasco, and then he went right back to everything is about criminal investigations. Nothing was a war footing for Bill Clinton. In fact, he had a a policy that we could bomb, but we weren't allowed to kill. We can capture, but we're not allowed to kill bin Laden. Wrong policy. You must show, well, you must float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, and that's nothing of what we did. So this is all leading up. All of this is leading up. Remember, we've got the roaring 90s going on. Times are good. How do we know that? How do we know that Bill Clinton wants to be remembered for economic policy, which no president is ever remembered for. It's policies, but the actual economy. Let me ask you a quick question. Who was president during the roaring 20s? (laughs) 
And is he one of the great presidents, whoever that was? Because the roaring 20s were roaring? No. And of course, our deadhead media kindly forgets that while it was roaring in the 90s, it was setting up the precipice of the dot-com explosion. The dot-com bubble bursting. Now, the point here is that here we have one of the final acts of war taking place. And what was our response? Absolutely nothing. October of 2000. Now, a month later is when the election, Bush versus Gore election, is going to take place. This is one month previous to that. Was there a dedication of keeping silent as to not affect Al Gore's run? I have no idea what went on in between the ears of Bill Clinton in this regard, but we know the facts are the facts. They never treated it seriously. You want proof of that? After the October 2000 and 17 sailors killed, it once again went under the heading of criminal investigation. That's what Democrats really, look at Obama. I mean, not only will he not use certain words to describe people. Oh, he has no problem with David Brooks calling us a bunch of screamers. And isn't that amazing? David Brooks defined who the base is. And Tom Cole agreed. Tom Cole, who is a Boehner fan, who's out there saying Boehner's the greatest thing since sliced bread. They're mimicking the same exact message regarding we took a mountain full of debt and made it smaller. Obama and Boehner on the same exact page for trying to take credit with still debt that's the highest levels of any president in any in any decade. All you have to do is go to TimBurnsShow.com, see it. All right, so there's no response. Remember, Clinton wants to be remembered for this kind of economic legacy, for being in the captain's chair And supposedly because he was in that captain's chair, that caused the synergy of wireless, of computers, of of all of the high-tech innovation that took place is because Bill Clinton sat in the chair. Nobody gets remembered for that kind of stuff. That's part of economic evolution. And that economic evolution had a landscape to thrive in back then. We still have lots of potential now, but there's no landscape upon which to release the hounds to have this country create the better mousetraps there's too much quicksand there's too much regulation there's too much hoops to jump through there's too much bells to ring it's making it end on top of that there's no prosperity by which to take the risk anymore the i got what you want you got what i want mentality in this country is gone right now How do we know Bill Clinton wanted to be remembered for the good times, the roaring 90s? He passed a document on to George W. Bush. It's an outgoing national security document. Every president provides an incoming president. 45,000 words, no mention of al-Qaeda. Now, I just went through everything that happened in the 90s, how bin Laden was out there as leader of al-Qaeda, issuing two fatwas, declarations of war against the United States. All of the stuff we all remember if we're old enough or if our memories are jogged enough. 
all of these things that were happening. And what was the advice to an incoming president? What was the warning to an incoming president? 45,000 words, no mentions of al-Qaeda and four mentions of bin Laden. It was like Bill Clinton was saying that bin Laden is just this, you know, he's just this lone lone terrorist out there with a little small group around him issuing these declarations of war against America. And gee, that's what all terrorists do, don't they? George W. Bush knew it immediately. After having his staff probably look over this document and saying, okay, I know that they're at war with us. So what does the document say? Has the document got any good due diligence for us? Has the document got any information that we can build upon? No. The document left them high and dry. In the 9-11 Commission report, it was stated Condi Rice was told by George Bush less than a month after he got into office, he knew he was left high and dry. He knew he didn't get any intelligence regarding what the, the landscape of terrorism was going on. So that's when he said, Condi, I need a summary of all the terrorism that has an implication on America. Months down the road, August, the famous August PDB, Presidential Daily Briefing, there was the summary. 70 different investigations, all kinds of different theories about how they could carry out attacks, and one of them was flying planes into buildings. Now, if you were paying attention, that's the only thing you heard. George W. Bush got a memo that had hijackers flying planes into buildings, Bush should have known without even looking over. It's a simple three-page document, presidential daily briefing, three pages that spells it out exactly as it should have been spelled out to the American people. No. Why? Because it's all about creating the blame on Bush, probably going back to the angst created by what? By Bush stealing the election from Al Gore. All right, so, uh, again, the whole idea that Bush should have known is really, there was no handoff, there was no baton, there was no coordination and communication from one administration to the other. Bush was left totally unprepared without any intelligence. And so they had to start from square one, and that's why. Did you ever hear that Bush, within the first month, had given instructions to Condi Rice to come up with a document, to come up with a summary of all the potential terroristic situations out there that could have affected America? No. None of that was going on. And when the, fi- when, when the summary finally came again, what did they do? They, do, they did what they do best. It's... It, it, It is, in fact, how conspiracy theories worked. They took out of all this information one little iota, one little piece of the puzzle, and they built their whole mantra around it. So then, what happens? Well, we get hit. This is a plan that was carried out before George Bush even took office. 
this was going on. And as I said on Friday, last Friday on 9-11, if that wall, that communications between CIA and FBI, between domestic and, quote, military intelligence agencies had been allowed, the one guy on the program that I watched said we could have stopped. We feel confident that we would have uncovered it before it rolled out. Well, history is history. But again, this war has not stopped since 1979. Just because we're not recognizing it, and we certainly aren't recognizing it one bit whatsoever right now. We've got, uh, uh, well, we've got an administration that really doesn't care about the law, and it looks like Republicans really don't care about holding Obama to account. How much credibility, this, this goes to the Corker-Cardin law. This was done in 2015, called the Nuclear Agreement Review Act. I guess this was just a pain in the back end for Obama to have Congress doing what it's supposed to do. It has the obligation to review all of the information associated with any kind of agreement you're going to come up, whether you want to call it a peace treaty or a memorandum or whatever the case may be. It's their job as representatives to us to actually get in there and make sure an executive branch is being held to account. So they came up with this Corker Law. GOP leadership has no uh, intention, apparently, of trying to block this deal because they're not holding Obama to account on the law they just passed. What is is this like? Kind of the immigration law, the uh, the uh, uh, gang of eight. It was all song and dance to create the impression that they were doing something when they knew it would never get passed in a Harry Reid Congress. Is that the same kind of principle? Is that is this the cover my rear syndrome going on for establishment Republicans inside? As this writer put, how much credibility can Republicans have? Maybe I should just end the sentence there. How much should Republicans have in complaining about Obama's disregard of federal law if they won't even follow the law they themselves enacted just four months ago? Side deals, quote, that the statute explicitly requires to be disclosed to Congress. That is where Obama broke the law. We know we're not going to get anybody stamping their feet in the deadhead media and saying Obama needs to be held accountable in this regard. Congress needs the right to know. All of the information needs to be revealed. Quote, the president is deceiving the public when he preposterously, preposterously claims that sanctions will, quote, snap back if Iran is caught cheating. Like Colin Powell was talking about, this deal holds, it's at 19,000 centrifuges right now, and it's going to go down to 5,000. How do you know? How's the, if we can't even get in for 24 days for inspections, how can that possibly be that you can make an estimate of that? 
or that you can turn thousands of kilograms of uranium down to hundreds. But they can just go out there and make the statement, just like Obama. Part of this whole thing is that if Iran goes against the deal, sanctions will snap back. That can't possibly happen because sanctions are about frozen assets. And those frozen assets, once the thawing takes place, what are you going to go? They'll snap back. What does that mean? You're going to go to Iran and say, hey, look, we accidentally freed you up some money and you really don't deserve it because, well, you're not following the uh, deal. How are they going to get that money back? Let me guess. They're going to send out uh, donations, donation envelopes to the individual terrorists who now are salaried by the Iranian situation, by the Iranian government, by the state sponsor of terrorism. Hey, dudes, uh, yeah, we, uh, we need to snap back here. Here, send us back a little money. Just fill it out. I, I tell you, again, 1979 and now 2015, they've been on the same direct path. Tim Burns, Phenomenal Exhibit Services. You know, big business is done at these conventions. And if you are already participating in your industry's convention and somehow it just isn't working right, maybe your venue has moved from one city to the next and labor is a complete hassle. You know what it takes to have smooth logistics. I encourage you to give Nominal Exhibit Services a call at 303-901-9090. One phone call does it all. They manage the entire process. So again, take the hassles out. Call Nominal. 303-901-9090. All right, let's uh, let's do just a couple of quick in this uh, shorter segment. Let's just confront a couple of the main main conspiracy theories that are out there. And again. Let me just say, if you don't do homework, it's easy to fall for. I know some very smart people, and it's not that they're falling for it, but it's in the back of their mind. Even though common sense dictates that there's no way that could possibly, it just doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't. But again, when presented with certain information, a certain piece of the puzzle, and all this detailed information around it, it makes you think. And there are A lot of people out there who, boy, if it really came out, the first bridge that you have to cross is all of the people that would need to be involved in carrying out this conspiracy, if you want to look at it as a conspiracy, or having to, uh, you know, be a part of it. And in this day and age we live in, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. In this day and age that we live in of fame and fortune, of YouTube videos, of all the hits you can get, of going from nowhere to riches because of a certain situation. Now, let's think about the executive branch. All of the people that would have to be involved, or at least in retrospect, all of the people who got killed from there, the New York police, the Port Authority, You think if they thought this was an inside job, you think they'd have investigations and lawsuits going on? You bet they would. 
Now think about everybody who would have to be involved in planting bombs, demolition. Uh, Even the media would have to be involved. The CIA, the FBI, FEMA, NORAD, the FAA. Airline counter people. Air traffic controller. The different individual airlines. Add it up. Dozens of people. Dozens of people would have to be just in one executive branch to carry this out. All of the demolition people. All of the time it would take to go plant that. You ever seen a demolition video? Go to the website, timburnshow.com. Now, they don't mention these are just the explosions that are happening. But if you've ever watched a demolition of a building, look at how long it takes to set that up. Now, how are people going to get into the building and accomplish that? Think about dozens, hundreds, no, thousands of people that would have to be involved and not one, one has stepped forward and said, I'm the one. I was in on it. And why would they step forward and say that? Because they would have millions and millions of dollars as a result of having the actual evidence if that was true. All right, let's do this. I'm going to play. uh, These are explosions. And the reason I'm playing these is because People heard explosions before the building tumble or as it was tumbling. Even after, shortly after, there were explosions taking place. You know what one of those explosions was? When a body drops from 100 stories and there was a fireman. This was one of the conspiracy theories. The actual website actually cut off the firemen for their convenience to create the impression that this fireman on scene was hearing explosions. If you had continued with reading the transcript, he said, yeah, I looked up and there was a body floating down. It hit a lamppost and the head came rolling by me. The sound was like an explosion. You ever heard a transformer explode? It's pretty loud. Here's one. Wow, almost sounds like controlled demolition, other than the fact that you can actually hear the electricity buzzing furiously. Here's another one. This is a cell phone camera that's a long way away, or a video camera that was a long way away. You could hear the sound of that explosion. This is a, a picture of a transformer box, a small what looks to be Oh, three feet by four feet in a basement of a building. Hmm, transformers in buildings. I wonder how many transformers were in the World Trade Center. One, two, and even seven. Not to mention all the diesel tanks. In World Trade Center 7, the building was an emergency building. It had diesel fuel backups. It had all kinds of redundant, even basic industrial age systems. If you have a diesel, if everything goes out and you need diesel to fuel the generator to keep your power on, plus all the transformers, here's this. This is a small transformer. Listen to the sound. 
Now, do you think somebody on one level, at the bottom level of the World Trade Center one, hearing these types of explosions, not to mention the main one, there was one guy they tried to make a hero. He was a building worker, a maintenance guy, and he had said that he saw an explosion from the elevator and saw a person running toward him on fire. Was that explosion a set demolition explosion? Or, if we look at the filter of common sense, you have a plane filled with 9,000 gallons of fuel draining all that fuel down the elevator shaft as the elevator and cables being cut is falling, free-falling from however many stories. And it lands, if a human body can make the sound that sounds like an explosion, can you imagine what that elevator sounded like as it slammed into all that fuel that had run down? Hmm, I wonder why. Perhaps somebody was running away from, but they tried to make that a big deal. Here's one. This is a telephone pole. So these are the kinds of things that are out there. Here's a few. Uh, here's a little bit. We're going to run out of time, but. Now, the reason I wanted you to hear that one is when you look at a demolition of a building, the demolition charges are two thirds of the way down the building. They're just above the ground floor. I don't see any of that in any of the conspiracy theory websites. I don't see it in any of the real views of what we saw in World Trade Center 1 and 2. None of the really... Again, if you have the time, if you are of the mind that this might still be something that you entertain, you go to the website, you look at that demolition video, and then you go onto Google and look at the actual falling of all three buildings and see if you can find it relatable. It's not. I know, again common sense dictates. All right. Tim Burns Show here. TimBurnsShow.com is the website and everybody have a great day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.